Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. from someone in this house, Emily Grammer. I don't know if she's even here today. And I don't want to share the email because she hasn't given me permission to do so. Otherwise, I'd be reading it to you right now. But her, her whole point in the, in, the, in the email was that things did not happen the way she thought they were going to happen. That the... the the way she saw things working out in her life were not starting to take place. Like she, she had this plan and every single time she found herself wondering, well, what's next? Well, where do I go from here? What's the plan? But she started to think about, about what do you do in a moment when you don't know? You trust. You trust. And I shared this story with you with you last week about, about when, when, uh, when Apostle Damon talked about his boys in the woods. And when they get lost, if you, he tells them, he gets in their face and he says, boys, if you ever get lost in the woods and you ever can't find your way, you can't find me and you're ever lost in the woods, I ask you to do one thing and that is stay still. Because you have a father that is running for you and misses you more than you even could miss him. He is, he is resilient. He will not stop. He will not relent. He's coming for you, and he's coming for your heart. And so Emily, Emily starts to walk in this, and she, she's, she's in the unknown. And if you can kind of compare this to the wilderness for a moment for her. And I remember that place in my life. And a lot of our, our group is uh, some of the young, young people in our group are in that place of life. I was thinking about Samuel Clement the other day, and he was talking about some of the things that he's, decisions he haven't, he's having to make, and those decisions make you feel like it's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life, and it has a way of isolating you in a moment and feel, making you feel alone. But what happens is when, when Emily gives it up to Yahweh, Yahweh steps in on her behalf, and it doesn't look like how she thought it would look. In fact, she started to talk about the qualifications. She's like, I shouldn't be here. She even started to compare it to me and like saying how I said, I shouldn't be here. Like this shouldn't be happening in the natural. But I don't serve a natural God. And she doesn't serve a natural God. And he steps in. On, and when we're, not, when we're not perfect, he is. He makes us perfect. Complete. Complete. And so your qualifications come from him. And people all of a sudden start saying like, well, Emily, apply for this. Do, do this. I'm not qualified to do that. That doesn't, you know, what I've achieved so far myself doesn't qualify me for that. I didn't, I didn't ask for your qualification. I just, would you apply? And then every step starts to be ordered. Every step is ordered. Every, every time she moves forward, when she says, this is the end, I have nothing else. I don't know what else to, what else to do. Yahweh steps in on her behalf because we have a father that cares so much, that cares so much, that cares so much, and he's not going to leave you in the woods. And so this morning, I, this is what I felt pressing up against me, is sometimes when things are so good, it's hard to return to think about times when it wasn't like that. And this might not be for you. Maybe you're in the, man, I could tell you yesterday was really rough, so I can just get in on this song. But it's what, when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to myself, right? Man, I'm sitting here this morning thinking about Emily's story, and it brought me back to a time in my life where I was driving down the road saying, Yahweh, if you could please just show up in this moment because I don't know where to go. I don't know what's next. And it was as if Yeshua sat down in the chair next to me 
And I could not, I had to pull over on the side of the road. Tears started flooding me. And all I did was ask, what if we believed in the scripture that says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you? Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. But if you're not walking in that throughout the week, if you don't believe in that every single day, walking through Yahweh, waking up in the morning saying, Yahweh, I give this to you. I give you my day. I give you my lost stuff. I give you everything. And I'm just going to walk in how you, how you see it. Let me just see it how you see it. And I walk in that. If I don't, then these services just become a spark. You, you walk through your week doing it, how you do it, and then you step in here and you get a spark. That's a great thing to start with. It's a horrible way to live. It's a great place to start and a horrible way to live. And we taking what happened last week, for those that were here last week, the flame that I believe was ignited in us, do not insult the one that paid the price for you by continuing to walk 12 steps to the left and 12 steps to the right. You are wild and you are free. You are wild and you are free. And it doesn't have to be this pump up like every single time, let me jump and get crazy, but there has to be a flame that is everlasting because the scripture says that he, that he within him is life and he is the light of mankind. And he says that I have come for what reason? To give you life and life more abundantly. So sometimes when you try to explain your joy to people and you try to go back and say, why am I feeling this way? Like, I, didn't, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't. Because he came to give you life. And if the promise of Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy, if that's what we walk in, then there should be an ever-increasing flame of light and life and joy and peace. And there is, your steps are ordered. The righteous, their steps are ordered. You are righteous because he clothed you in that righteousness. Not because of your qualifications or what you've done thus far or what your past says or, or how you got to this point right now. The important thing to know right now is that he is here. We've drawn near to him as a people. And I'm so thankful that whatever happened to get us here, that we are here today. And it is so much better his way. So much better his way. Come on. So much better his way. Just lift your hands this morning. Just lift your hands, just close yourself off, close your eyes, and, and, just, and just enter in. Go back to that moment. Go back to that moment. That moment he stepped in on your behalf. That moment that he touched your heart. Let him take you back to that moment. There's no greater thing that I believe we possess than the, than the ability to give thanks thanksgiving in every situation, in every storm, in every moment, the ability to give thanks. My, my boy, as I tell you a lot, come down just a little bit, people. My, my, my son, my son, as, I, as I've told y'all many times, he's running down the, the middle aisle here, taught me this, that there's no, I don't believe we possess any greater power than the power to give thanks, to offer thanks it's tran it transcends you above circumstances, and you're now. And I talked about that story last week of how Frank healed himself. I question sometimes healing, and is that possible? Can we do that? What's the Well, we're moving from the natural to the spirit, so yes, it is now and not yet. We have a measure today that's great, greater than it was, and it's going to be even greater as we walk. But I've, I question things like that when I've watched my own son heal himself. And I didn't go into the story, but I want, this is the time that Frank taught us about Thanksgiving. And it was a time where Frank was, he was struggling. I mean, he, he was hurting and he had a rash that would not let him go to sleep. 
I mean, he was screaming, screaming, Daddy, Daddy, this hurts, this hurts so bad. And, he was, and I know I've told this story, but just, just let this get back in you, okay? He's, he's, he's screaming, and I, as a father, I'm just I'm frustrated because I'm like, Yahweh, why? I spoke healing over him. I, I declared. I made it. I, I made all these declarations. Where's the power? Why haven't I seen this come to pass? And I had given. I was mad. I sat in the chair to rock him, and he's, Daddy, it hurts so bad. Daddy, it hurts. And I'm like, I know, son. I know. And he said, Daddy, can we pray for it? I said, son. You can pray for it. Literally because I was that frustrated in that moment. And I'm, and I'm rocking this boy, and he starts like this. He says, Yahweh, thank you. Every time Frank prays, he says, Yahweh, thank you. He doesn't start with saying, Yahweh, I'm in a lot of pain right now. He starts with an offering of thanksgiving. And then he says, please make the pain go away. And in my like fifth rolling of my eyes, because I'm like, now I'm gonna have to be up all night with this boy. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to deal with this. What, what, what medication do we have? What are, you know, what is this? Is this something more serious? Should I get on WebMD and freak myself out even more? <laughs> in a moment, what comes out of him is a shout of joy and thanksgiving again, offering it back to him. And he says, Daddy, Yahweh healed me. But then this is the beautiful thing about it, is that it's not just, well, that's just the faith of a child. It is the faith of a child. None will enter the kingdom without that. But he, but he, but there's evidence. (laughs) There's evidence. He falls asleep. He falls asleep. It wasn't just, I'm healed because I believe it. It was a supernatural thing that took place. And this boy, through the power of thanksgiving, healed himself. So as we come in here and we're offering something back, I just want to offer thanksgiving. I think about the first service in here. And I just, and there's somebody recorded a video. And there was a moment that all of us, all of us just sat here and just said, it was, we're singing thank you. We were just singing thank you. Like, thank you. And who, what people says thank you when everything that they did have was ripped from them? People that are elevated by a storm and not sunk by it. People, people who's when the wind blows and other people just have a match, we have a flame. And so that same wind that blows other people's matches out actually ignites ours and makes us bigger. That's the kind of people. So, so this morning, I'm just feeling this press up against you. If you did come in here this morning not feeling it as we talk about, you don't have to feel it. Just give it. This is about ministry unto the Lord, not just ministry to you. That's taken care of. Minister to Him. Offer thanksgiving to Him. So I just want to sing this song again, guys, and just... Shut yourself off. Do whatever you got to do. But I just want to spend a few minutes giving some more thanks to the Father. Amen. Amen. Awesome words. One thing and everything else fades away. So that's my life right there. Is I go to one thing and everything else just fades away. It's not that I don't deal with the circumstances. It's not that I don't have things butt up against me. But when I go back to the one thing and I'm centered on one thing, I realize that everything else that I was worrying about just starts to fall off and fade away. That's why, to me, worship is so imperative and so important. And it's, it's a shift of the natural to the spiritual. You know, it's, we used to be so full of life because we could sit in a service for three hours and listen to principle that was such life and was amazing. But what worship does is when you, trans, you, you transition into a time of, of worship and just having its, its requirement on you, its relationship. And so when you become the center stage and it's not about waiting for the message and it's just about giving an offering of worship to him, for some reason, that, is, that presses people these days a lot more than it used to when we just sat in a service. 
but you have to understand that that's, that's where we're coming to. We're moving from a natural, just principle things that will be a foundation, but moving into the spiritual. Apostle turned off a light, but is the room still illuminated? The truth is that we are moving from what was so awesome and so faithful and so just that we were faithful people and moving into this people of faith, coming from a natural thing into a spiritual thing, supernatural, incredible manifestation of Yahweh in my heart. And it all comes from, if I ever get lost, for me, staying still is going to the one thing, drawing near to the one thing. And he draws near to me and everything else fades away. Amen. Amen. Who, who was here the past last week? Where was everybody else? Um, so we have covered a whole lot about Noah, right? Like we've gone through a ton of stuff and there's so much more and there's so much more that I don't have the revelation for your life that you do, that Holy Spirit within you wants to show you some things. So I just challenge you like, um, you know, we, I, I believe that when Holy Spirit brings something to this family, it's, it's for it to grow within us, we need to stoke our own flame. So I encourage you to take your time and, and, and read about this story of Noah and see what he has to say to you about it. Um, because some things that I say might spark you and be like, that's so right, that's so right. But what, what will change the game and really root within you is when you find that yourself, when he shows you something. These stories become alive to me because I read them and Holy Spirit reveals them to me and I'm faithful to share that with you. But go, go get some of this yourself. Go find this and don't rely on, the, and I don't, I'm not saying that you do. I'm just, I'm just trying to encourage slash challenge you to, to jump in this word and, and, um, and receive from Holy Spirit for yourself. Amen? So, quick, quick, quick review, um, because I want to move on to something else. But so, Noah came from the lineage of Enoch. Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. Enoch was seen as a man who was, he was described as he walked with Yahweh. He was taken, he was not, he, he did not, they don't talk about him dying, they just talk about him being taken up by Yahweh. Um, the other two, Methuselah and Lamech, were never talked about that way. They were not described as they walked with Yahweh. Yet Noah was described as that he walked with Yahweh and he was a righteous man. Um, Lamech, Noah's father, I believe when he named Noah rest, because Noah's name means rest, he was toiling with the ground. But where I think all of that came from was the fact that Adam existed on the earth. Adam was there. So just from a natural perspective, taking us back to that time, Adam was there on the earth. And think about the stories he shared with Enoch that sparked a revelation within him that maybe I can still walk with Yahweh. And Lamech, who was toiling in the earth, said, I believe in generational legacy. So though it might not come to me this way, I saw and heard stories from Enoch and I watched him go up. I'm going to name this one rest. Rest from our work. I'm going to name him rest because I believe that, that, there's, that there's more from the stories I've heard. I believe in this God. I believe that there's more to it. So he names his son rest through this story. Noah, who was, who was a righteous man and walked with Yahweh, gets the word to build an ark that took him 80 years. Not a week, not a ton of help, 80 years, and it held eight people, including himself. He lands, when the waters subside, he lands on a mountain called Mount Ararat, which means the curse reversed. And I feel like I've, what my challenge has been throughout any time in my life, but especially now, has to do with a lot with what you guys are talking about, is the mindset, is the, is the, uh, the idea that what I respond to is not even there. Like I respond to a curse of Adam that was reversed. And that's under uh, an inferior covenant. We have Yeshua. 
It says he came to save the planet. He came to save the earth. And so, I, so, so we started to last week talk about how Noah, a lot of what happened, the floodwaters coming, was a, it was a natural then spiritual response. It's talked about that the waters of the deep came up and there was a response from the heavens that brought rain. I've always thought of it as just rain coming down and it started to build up and it was a flood. No, it says that the waters of the deep shook up. And then, and then the waters from heaven came. And then the, water, the waters of the deep, when it stopped, the, the wind blew, the waters of the deep stopped, and then the heaven stopped. And I just see this thing, if you can stretch it a little bit with me, of seeing this first the natural, then the spiritual, like the Bible says. And so when we come into a place of worship, when we come to him, we offer something to him that stirs the Father. Like if we really see that whole thing of if I draw near to him, then he will draw near to me. 100% of the time, there's such a faith that's birthed out of that knowledge. You know, to read that and say, you know what, I, I completely believe that. So in a time of worship, when I offer this to Yahweh, when I offer whatever it might be in my life, where I just come and say thank you, that he draws near to those moments, and there's a spiritual response that starts to take place. And I believe that as we have been this faithful people in the natural, we've done things, we've, we've kind of tilled the ground, so to speak, we've worked, that there's a spiritual response taking place within this people now. Amen. That was great. <clears throat> Y'all are just thoughtful people today is what's happening. You're just like, yeah. I'm going to go back, listen to the podcast, and amen at that point in time. <laughs> um, real quick, I want to say we want to rejoice and, and, and just be so glad and full of joy because there is new life today. Catherine Luis Palachi, am I right? Is that the way to say it? Okay. Richard and Renee, we rejoice with you. She was born this week, and we love, love you guys. This, this thing, this, this Noah story has allowed me to see things generationally. I think it's bringing us in su into such a generational mindset to see it how Lamech saw it or Enoch saw it and how Noah saw things. This was a portion of, of Noah's life. How, how long did he live? Does anybody know? It's a long time. Googleable. Um, but this was just a portion of his story. And think of what was, what all, it's not even told in scripture that just happened with Noah and continued. He lived this long life of being righteous and walking with Yahweh. But when I was thinking about this and after everything that happened last week, which was powerful last week, listen to the podcast if you weren't here. Maybe that's the reason some people aren't here this week is because they're just too schwacked by last week. They can't make it back. That's what I'm going to believe. But, uh, <laughs> so, um. That's terminology means they were too, uh, how would I say it? Too, okay, you can say that. Intoxicated with the Holy Ghost, that's right. Um, so appropriate, Mark, so appropriate. Okay, but this is what happened. And so I started to think about this. I started to, st I was studying about, about Noah and, and what came to me is like, okay, so I'm good. I'm, I'm going to move on from that. Like, I feel like everything that was said, there was such a completion in what was done. I want to move on from that. And, uh, and, and you know, you kind of get these things of like, well, where do you go from there? When you have a service like that and you have things that impact, where, what happens? Or when Yahweh gives you something or you reach some kind of success or your prayer is answered, where do you go from there? And this is where a lot of us get lost in the consistency aspect. So I want to read to you. I, I, I was asking Yahweh this question, you know, because I struggled back in the day before we had the hurricane, and a lot of things were ripped out to just make things real. One of the things I struggled with was right here in my mind in the consistency of, of like, you know, I know before this thing happened, all it was was about one thing. Like I knew, I knew a lot about the kingdom. I had learned so much and I was, I, I took that because I was experiencing something in my life that I knew the knowledge of the kingdom, but I wasn't quite experiencing the kingdom. And so I, so I got to a place I talked about of crying in my car because I, I took what I knew and I just put it on the, put it aside. I just said, for right now, I'm going to take the knowledge. What is this thing about? And he came in a moment like that. 
and he made it about my heart and his heart and the, the joining together of that thing. And it, everything else kind of faded away from that, and that's why I say that. You know, that song this morning, just it, it ministers to me because all else fades away. But, so, but I struggled with, okay, now that I'm in a corporate setting, how do I keep that flame alive or let others experience it? Instead of realizing that I'm just called to be the wind, that we are called to be the wind and people have got to be responsible for their flame. Especially in this day and age, we're, we're responsible for the flame that we bring in. And so the wind that I produce or the wind that Ben produces or anybody in a leadership setting in these times, if your flame is not stoked already and it's just a small little flame, it can blow that thing out. Where you see someone next to you on fire just erupt, this is amazing, I feel this, it's what, because they came in with a flame. I think about you don't feel it, if you don't feel it today, did you feel it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Because I've felt him every single day of the week, and whenever I come in here, even if it's not this energy that we call the spirit, that's a natural thing. Sometimes the song moves you. Sometimes you have, you know, these little goosebumps and things happen. But by the spirit is when you want to start to, where you start to become consistent. You start to really realize that, like, I don't feel it in the natural right now, but I can recognize it by the spirit. And it allows me to continue to give my thanks to him. And so I, when this storm happened, it shifted me to stop thinking about trying to bring people in what I experienced all those months or years or however long ago it was and start going, just stoke my flame. Just go back to one thing. That's where one thing have I desired of the Lord comes into play and I constantly go back to that. So I, so, so I took that and I was, I was just taking that to Yahweh and asking him about it, about it and he said, keep reading. That's, how I, that's, that's about as much as I got. What do we do after this? Keep reading. So I'm going to keep reading. I want to show you something real quick. I'm about to tell you. I don't know where I'm at right now, Ben. I'm, what happened? I'm completely in the wrong story. I know that right now. All right. So let's start. Genesis 8. Uh, Genesis 8.15. And that's a good point, Ben. I, I haven't really had to mention that because most times we don't bring our Bibles. So in this time, if you haven't gotten the, the memo here, I like to speak out of the Bible. Not li- because Prince, I mean, <laughs> that sounds bad. But we walked in a place where we had to have this principle spoken to us. It's not that it was wrong. It's that this was all, everything before. And Apostle Ball did such an amazing, beautiful job of taking us to say there's something beyond this. But now that we've gone beyond this, you know what this does for me? Man, I come back to this and it makes things alive. It's a confirming word. It gives me context to see what Holy Spirit's showing me in the earth. So I believe it's time and I, and I, I speak a lot out of this. So you can bring your Bible. We're not going to have screens up here to show you. Um, 15, 8, 15. Then, then Yahweh spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may, they may be around on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Do you guys have a tissue? I'm feeling apostle right now. I, I have gum in my mouth. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm just kidding. Thank you. I just don't want to listen to the podcast later and be like, oh, gosh, it was bad enough, and now I'm smacking through the whole thing. (laughs) So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. So let's go back. We spent 80 years to build something. We trusted, we believed, we were... We were so sure of what Yahweh was doing. He gets on the ship, gets all of these animals in there, and it says seven days later. It was tough in the 80 years. You believed it. But what happens when you get onto the boat and it's still seven more days because it's not your timing? Do you still trust in that moment? And he did, and the rain comes, and everything's good. You know, it, it, it's just, it, that speaks to me, but 
just take it for what you, what you will. But, it, but, but he, so he's, he has this experience. He's waiting seven days, and then the waters come. And it's five months, I believe, and then it's two months, and then another two months, and there's just all of this process. And finally, we come to the place that Yahweh says, go out of the ark. So think about the joy. Think about the amazing peace. Not just that, but also think about the fear. And think about the confusion in a time like that. The earth has been wiped out. What am I about to step into? What is this going to look like? How are we going to be provided for? What do we do? Mixed with, I'm so thankful to be alive and so thankful to be, you know, here. And you, your word is true. I feel like it's exactly where I'm at in my life. <laughs> I feel like it's exactly where you are in your life, if you're honest. That there's so much you can look back and say, Yahweh absolutely brought me to this point, And I'm so thankful for it. But what's next? How's this new thing going to look? What happens when I get off this ark and everything that I... I tell Eva a lot, so, so many times Yahweh gives me something to speak on a Sunday, and, I, and it was just supernatural how it got there. And then Monday I go, I might as well call someone else to speak for next week because I have no idea what to say. And there's always this filling of the tank, and Yahweh always does this for us. He always shows up. He always shows up in every single moment. But for some reason, we start to question and filter through our mind what Yahweh's already done. But so I want to show you this amazing truth that when I continued to read, Yahweh showed me. What happened when Noah came out of the ark? 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. In that day, that was worship. In that day, he was offering something back. He got off of the boat and continue, went back to, continue going back to what we would say today would be the one thing. In triumph, in questioning, in everything, going back to offer thanksgiving and worship to Yahweh. And look at the response here. That's the natural response. Remember, first the natural, then the spirit. And then it says, and then Yahweh smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Not just I will never send a flood. That was promised later. But from that offering of thanksgiving, he says in his own heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. And many times we're so, fo I talked about this last week, but we're so worried about everything just going down and what's going to happen next and what if there's nuclear war and what if we're not doing... He will never again curse the ground for man's sake. He, now, now, I'm not saying, let me get myself straight here. I'm not saying that, that we don't have responsibility. But I'm not, I'm responding to the promise and not what's on the earth right now. I respond to this because I, I know that I have a, a God that will not, curse this ground. I don't have to worry. I, I lived in fear after the storm, worrying about another storm. I, going into hurricane season right now, I know we all have a little bit of a fear of like, but I believe that we walk through something to never go through something again. I think that we accomplish something in this time, and so I don't live in fear of what's to come. Yahweh does have us, but I just, this, the point I'm trying to make here is Noah built an altar. He came off of the ark, and he and he offered worship to Yahweh. And Yahweh was stirred, natural than the spirit. So when we come and offer worship, he's stirred and he says, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. And he says this, the same promise that he gave to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. But here's the thing about be fruitful and multiply. I've always, and I believe a lot of us have always said, be fruitful and multiply as having children and multiplying after your own kind. But be fruitful and multiply is putting a requirement on you that you first must be fruitful. You first must multiply. So that within you, the spirit within you must be fruitful, must multiply. And that coming in contact with others also makes them become fruitful and multiply. It's not just a natural thing. 
there's glory in the children and having that, but it's also a responsibility on yourself, even after your days of children, or even if you don't have children, or even if that's not even the scheme of things, your responsibility is to be fruitful, to grow within yourself and multiply, and those around you to be fruitful and multiply. I went to, Ben and I got to go to, uh, to Mobile, they're having their um, a conference this weekend, and it's wild and crazy and just wild and crazy, and I'll stick with that. But it's so amazing s- some of the things that come out of there. And there's this man that spoke. His name's Marios, and I don't know what his last name was, but he talked about our responsibility that it's not just us that we should be increasing, that everyone around us should increase as well. Like our tent should be expanding. We should see, we should live in the responsibility that, man, I'm feeling myself grow. I'm feeling myself come alive. Now let me look at those around me and make sure that they're being lifted up as well. It's really, really good. So he, prom- he tells us to be fruitful and multiply for perpetual generations. Ben, that was the word you were looking for that I said last week. In, the, in, in 12, 9, 12, he says, he says that, uh, and, and Yahweh said, this is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That this thing, again, this is making me think so much more generationally. That this, is, this moment is not about me. That the, I don't have to be in this hurry because it's about me and it's not about me, right? Like it's the now and not yet. And my, my glory comes when I see Frank and Leo and their generation burning like I've burned. Not that I taught them how to burn, but they saw it and they desired it and they wanted to burn like dad burned. And at the very end, it says these three were, he talked about uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah. And from these, the whole earth was populated. Be fruitful and multiply. Um, I want to talk about today. That was kind of a review and touch on something real quick. I want to talk to you today about keeping the flame wild. About not being tethered to this mind. About, about not processing this thing like we all process this. And this is going to be a super simple, simple word but a very, very profound story. This is for me as much as it is for you. But we talked about last week being wild and free, about that we were born wild, but that doesn't give us the, the given of being free. Animals in a cage, wild animals being caged. You're wild, but are you free? And this being able to offer, go to Yahweh and offer something out of you Most people that have gone through something major, it's easy to go ahead and offer thanksgiving. But what happens as as you continue to grow and you say, I've got that thing I questioned. I I got that thing that I I cried out for. How do we continue to burn? It's got to be an authentic offering. This is out of Genesis, um, Genesis 27. Very familiar story. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, listen to this, indeed, I have heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, bring me game and make savory food for me. Now I may eat it, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. I... I'm right now struggling if I wanted to go ahead and stop or continue to read through this and come back. But just tab this in your mind. She says, I heard your father speak. And then she reads it back to him, what she heard. 
Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. And he went and he got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory foods such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on his smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Who are you? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, this is powerful. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? How is it that you found it so quickly? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now. And kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing. And he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you. And nations bow to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone down from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of the father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, Bless me. Me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he is taking away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master and all his brethren. I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, 
Me also, O father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall, shall, you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. I lost myself. Okay, there we go. So Esau hated Jacob. I believe in this story there are a few different things that, that stick out to me. But Isaac is no father like the one that I serve, that I'm in relationship with. These, these characters in this story, Isaac is about one thing, him being fed. The brothers are about blessing. And in our walk and in who we are, approaching Yahweh for the blessing immediately says you're not in it for the relationship. And so these, this family here is so mixed up in their, in their view of this thing, and it's already started off wrong because there's not a relationship present. There's not a care for each other. There's not a walking in, man, I'm just good with the cool of the day walking. I'm, I'm not, it's, it's more of where's my blessing, where's my food? That's what, is, that's what the, the inconsistency of relationship comes to. Man, I'm coming. I'm going to give Yahweh what he wants, this offering of worship, and then so I can get my blessing and we can move on. And once I get that blessing, I'll wait until the next time that I need to give an offering and then come back and get my blessing. And it's this constant back and forth. But this is, where, this is the amazing thing here. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak. Here's where I'm getting to today. Indeed, I heard your father speak. Indeed, I heard your father speak. She reads this back to him. She says it back to him. Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. This is what your father said to you. This is how you should see this. And immediately this interpretation of what the word was of Yahweh to you becomes tainted. No longer a wild offering to bring to the Father. It's no longer something that's wild, something that, something that is true of heart. Because it's interpreted through the lens of either yourself or someone else. And this is how it is for me. I hear the words of Yahweh. I hear what I believe he's calling me to. I hear what I believe he's calling us to. I see those things. And then I feel like I have a Rebecca up here that says, listen, in order for you to get that blessing that you think you heard, let me tell you how he said it first off. Let me read it back to you. And then let me tell you what you need to do in order to receive that blessing. Let me show you who you really need to be. Cover up that story. You have to be a wild man to offer something wild. You have to be hairy. You have to, have, you have to be a hunter. You have to be someone that does this in order to offer him something wild. Yahweh created you a smooth-skinned man. And it says the two distinctions. There's two, two distinctly Di uh, big differences between the two. Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. The hairy man's better, right? The smooth-skinned man, not so much. But what I really think about what Yahweh is talking about here is the two differences in Isaac's inability to bless both of his sons for who they are. Yahweh doesn't have this favorite thing. And you don't have to have someone else's story or be someone else in order to receive the blessing that is yours. And this, again, let me go back to the fact that I'm about to say this simple, simple word to you today. But let it take root and be profound. 
There's distinct differences between the brothers. Jacob walked in the idea that he was not quite good enough, that the qualifications, Emily, weren't quite there. What do I do? Because there's nothing that I'm quite qualified for. I need to get a blessing, so I'm going to try to manipulate the situation to get it. When Yahweh's asking for the wild flame, the wild, wild, authentic offering. So he comes in and he says, perhaps my father will feel me. What another interpretation of that says is, what if my father sees? If I draw near to him, what if my father sees? I mean, a lot of y'all are tired. Wake up. I keep seeing everybody sleeping in here. Come on. (laughs) What if my father sees? What if my father sees? There are so many things that I've walked in and I've probably forfeited because I was too worried about drawing close to him. He needs to see. He already sees. What if I get close? He will see that I'm a smooth-skinned man. He will see that I'm tender. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Because Yahweh wants something wild, even if it takes longer. Even if your story doesn't look the same as everybody else's, he desires something wild and authentic. And that's what this people has come to, is coming to a place of being able to offer something completely authentic, completely stripped down life and life more abundantly, and offering that back to him. And it's incredible what's going on and what's taking place right now. You can't offer anything wild from someone else's interpretation of that. This is what keeps us out of relationship and family. It's what makes us stand against others. We see someone else receive a blessing. We see someone else having life and joy. And we see someone else walking in their promises. And we say, what about me? What about me? Instead of allowing it like J. Iris. Eva gets psyched whenever I say anything about J. Iris. She loves that story. But when he's walking and his 12-year-old daughter who's had, is on her deathbed. Here comes a woman who's been suffering from the same issue for 12 years. And she stops Yeshua on the path to his healing for his daughter. And he's sitting there. You've got to know he's got to process this. My 12-year-old daughter is on her deathbed while this woman here has dealt with this for 12 years. She can last a little bit longer. Let's get to my issue now. But what happens in a place where you say, I trust I can stay still. Yeshua reveals himself as the healer. Yeshua reveals himself as who he says he was. And his, her, her healing becomes the announcement that his daughter's is coming. So you don't hear Jairus sit there and freak out and get worried about the fact that he's, he looks and he sees this woman who walked in something for 12 years be delivered. And he says, if it happened for her, it's definitely going to happen for me. And I'm going to walk in that promise that I just got access to by being okay in the meantime. And being able to rejoice with those that rejoice and being able to lift each other up. That's authentic and that is wild. But what happens is when we start to process things through someone else's blessing and how it should, I've got to be that in order to be this, it's, all, it, it's, it's a mixed up mess and we'll start to just hate each other. And what I'm trying to do is come up to us and say, let's again let things that are healing. When Donna comes up here and talk, talks about healing, when we see Gracie start to be healed, when we start to see people... We see new life come into this place. Rejoice with those people. Get excited. Get excited because our tent, our realm of influence is increasing. And that is just the signal that yours is coming too. Because this, I've told you, my boys, I'm a daddy. I know this. I've, I sit in my chair. Frank and Leo, it's impossible to feed these boys most of the time. They're running around playing. I'm sitting in my chair. I have their food. And I say, Frank, bite. And here comes Frank running. Gets his bite. But guess what's patting right behind him? 
Leo, because he knows that I won't give something to one son that I wouldn't give to the other. That I don't have a favorite. I don't. And every night whenever I lay down with those boys and I put them down, I sit there and I whisper in their ears. I start to whisper the things I love about them. And both of them grab me and and draw me near. But this should be us. To say that you're disappointed with who you are or the story you've had is to say that you're disappointed in how Yahweh designed you. I deal with things that I don't like. But I rejoice that those things are there because it just lets me know that I am complete in him, that he covers those things. But I sit there with my boys and I say, Frank, man, I love your creativity. I love your sweetness. I love, I love how Yahweh creates within you and how you create things. It's amazing. And he, he holds me close and he pulls me in and he kisses me. And then I say, good night, baby. I love you. And then I go over to Leo And I said, man, I love how wild you are. I love how you see the world. I love how you don't care what others think and that you just walk in who you are and how amazing and hilarious you are. You're awesome. And I put them to bed because I want to continue to speak words of life. And you know what I do to myself in the mornings? I say, I love how Yahweh made me. I don't have all the answers and I don't know how to walk this thing out, but I know he designed me and I'm thankful for every piece of me and I'm thankful for the completion because it's not Christ in Eva that is the hope of glory. It is, but it's also Christ in me, the hope of glory and Christ in Ben, the hope of glory and Christ in Bill, the hope of glory and Christ in these two, the hope of glory. And so I just want to say to us that we need to fall in love with who we are. Because in order to ever offer anything authentic, thanksgiving to Yahweh, we have to be wild in ourselves and be good with it. Simple, right? Simple? Stand with me. Could you two come back up here and play that song again? Why did I give you such something simple today? Why did I give this to you? Why did I just read a story that has been read a million times? And why did I say this that seems like a candy cake whatever word? Because Yahweh has spoken that to me. And he's said this to me about us, that there is something so simple he's trying to show us. There's something so simple he's trying to tell us about ourselves and who we are. And there's this thing right here or right between someone else's ears about us that we're filtering that word through. I truly believe this. I know it's right in myself, but I believe it's right in this people. And if we're going to walk from a people of faithfulness to a people of faith, we have to be full of faith of who we are and why we are who we are. Amen? Amen. I want these guys to sing. Can I see those words? Yeah, you can get that out of the way. That's cool. You took me from the valley to the mountain, from the brook to the sea. And if there's anything I've learned about you, it's that there's no end to the goodness you bring. So show me what's beyond this mountain, what's deeper than the sea. Because if there's anything I've learned about you, it's that this is just the beginning. Because you are teaching me to see like children see, the truth without deceit. Without the lies of limitation, you are showing me how beautiful life can be. When it has no hold on me, and I realize that all is finished. The reason I'm pressing this, the reason I'm pressing this idea of do not filter what Yahweh sees in you, the word he speaks to you through who you think you are, is because it is impossible, impossible, impossible to enter into this thing, this new age, this new depth that Yahweh is showing us if all you're worried about are these things. He does not want there to be a filtering system. He does not want there to be a Rebecca between our ears. He wants us to learn to love and to love ourselves and to love others because what's gonna change the world is life and life more abundantly. He is the life and the light of all mankind. 
the happier you get with who he's made you and where he's put you, the more purpose you feel and the joy unspeakable, full of glory that hits you starts to impact the globe, starts to impact your family, starts to impact your church family, which we don't make a distinction between really (laughs) here starts to impact your family, those you've walked with, and then they become full of glory and unspeakable joy. And it starts to flood this earth. So yeah, it's simple, but it's profound. It's simple, but Holy Spirit's speaking that directly to some of you and to me. You're my okay when I think it's not. You are the smile when my heart's in knots. You are the laughter at the enemy's scorn. You are the sleep in the middle of the storm. It's not that Yeshua didn't walk through storms. It's that he was able to sleep through them. And when the swells vow to drag me underneath, you say, don't be afraid. Just keep looking at me. Yeah, it's true. You cannot do this on your own. But the good news is you're never on your own. Because I am your final word. I am your already cured. I am where your past and future met. I'm better than you've ever dreamt. That's powerful, y'all. That's powerful. So let's receive this as we, uh, as we go today. just want y'all to sing through whatever you feel is in your spirit, and, uh, and we'll move on. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.